Hello and welcome to the RBC Ross Trevor Campus Sermon Podcast. Our mission here is loving God, loving people and seeing lives change. At RBC, our heart is to build a Jesus-centered community, to see lives changed in multiple languages and locations. We hope you enjoyed this message from one of our weekend services. To find out more about us, please visit our website, rbc.org.au. Well, it's so great to be able to open the Word together today. What a few months it has been. You know, as we're transitioning out of restrictions, I've heard that COVID-10 is now a thing. It's all about helping people get rid of the 10 kilos that they've put on during isolation. I can attest to a few extra kilos after my darling wife uh, found a new passion for baking over the last few months. But with many more normal moments, I guess we'd say, I've found more focus to get healthy. And it's interesting because I know exactly what to do in order to get healthy, to drop a few kilos. I know what to eat. I know what exercises to do. I've done it before. But I've found myself trying to add more things in, more complicated steps in order to get to my desired outcome much quicker. Have this at this time, take this, cook with that, drink this twice a day while holding your nose. It gets complicated and wavering from the desired goal becomes a thing. Faith can get a bit like this sometimes. You see, we come into relationship with Jesus. We're excited. We've got our eyes fixed on him. We want to live according to his ways. And there's this fire burning within us. But sometime later, we feel like we need to do more, be more, and add more. There are worldly influences speaking to us all the time, via social media, television, billboards, etc. And these can take us down roads of compromise and eventually throws us off track if we're not careful. I wonder if you've ever sensed that in your faith, striving, works, obligation, adding more and more to try and win points. We're in a series entitled King Jesus, where Paul is encouraging the Colossian Christians to see King Jesus as the center of all reality, not giving in to pressure from other ways, but remaining devoted to Jesus. Pastor Dan started us off by encouraging us around the steadfast hope that we have in King Jesus and what that means for us. Esther shared with us last week around how we can see Jesus as God himself, as God above all and God of reconciliation, our supreme king. Today, Paul sheds light on pressures that were tempting the Colossians to turn from Jesus. And so as we begin today, I want to ask you, is Jesus the king of all kings in your life. If you have your Bible, would you open with me to Colossians chapter 2? In Colossians 2, we begin to understand why Paul is writing this letter to the Colossian Christians. 
his desire to fight spiritually for his fellow believers. He's really happy. He's really excited to hear that the Colossians are doing so well in their faith, but he's concerned. His letter is written to encourage, but also to caution and to strengthen the Colossians. And he uses this chapter as a bit of a springboard into a defense against the deceptive measures being used against those at Colossae. And so we begin in verse 6 and 7. So then, because he sees possible problems and because he genuinely cares, so then, just as you received Christ Jesus as Lord, continue to live your lives in him, rooted and built up in him, strengthened in the faith as you were taught and overflowing with thankfulness. Paul is calling the Colossians toward maturity in Christ without wavering. And he calls them back to their foundational teaching and to live and to remain in Christ just like when they became Christians. Being firmly planted, rooted and established or built up in Christ is the, are the words that he uses. What happens when tree roots are established in the ground. Well, the tree stands firm and tall throughout every season. It's not easily moved. You know, we've just been doing some, uh, some work in our front yard and there are these two trees that we wanted to get rid of. They've been there for over 40 years. And those roots go way down, way down. Even when we tried with a bobcat after cutting them down to a stump, we tried with a bobcat and we realised these trees ain't going nowhere. They are deeply rooted and established. And Paul wants the Colossians to have the same sort of strong and immovable faith in Jesus. But for the Colossians, this was new. This was new. In the history of Colossae, many gods and goddesses were worshipped as a way of keeping people safe. So when something bad happens, certain priests in authority would then reveal that this happened because this particular god or goddess had not been worshipped enough. And so there was always the need for more, for their protection, more for their salvation. And Paul is saying to the Colossian Christians now that, that his God, now their God, is the one true God. And that there was no need for them to hold on to anything else for the Colossian Christians, this is a huge paradigm shift. He's calling them to a state of discomfort and in their own eyes, danger. Would they have enough protection? Would they hold on to their salvation? You see, in our humanity, sometimes we find ourselves off track. Even after learning about all that Jesus has done for us, as I shared before, we get saved. We begin living out this changed and transformed life. It's amazing. But we can get stagnant, thinking that we need to add things, which complicates, which then enhances this idea that we need more in order to be all good with God. When in actual fact, the more causes division. 
And so Paul is calling the Colossians to live with Jesus as king of all kings, to live with gratitude and contentment for all that he has done. And we are invited to do the same. We see as Paul speaks into four critical areas of concern for the Colossians as he declares the kingship of Jesus. Firstly, he declares that Jesus is king over philosophy. Verse 8, see to it that no one takes you captive through hollow and deceptive philosophy, which depends on human tradition and the elemental spiritual forces of this world rather than on Christ. Philosophy in the ancient world was defined fairly broadly. But Paul is warning the Colossians against a philosophy which is explicitly based on principles and ideals that are empty, that are deceiving, and that are against God. Back in verse 4, he tells them to not allow themselves to be deceived by fine-sounding arguments based on trickery or cheating. You see, critical thinking isn't the problem. Syncretism is. Syncretism, which is a key tactic used when deceptive philosophies of this world are combined with just enough truth in them that it appears as something plausible and it trickles and seeps its way in. You know, we only have to look around our world, don't we? To see the pull towards an open spiritual life. That there are so many ways, different ways to God. That God is in everyone and in everything. Or the philosophy of the universe providing signs and ways for all humanity. There is massive influence in this world. But I'm reminded that Jesus says in John chapter 14, verse 6, he says, I am the way. I'm the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. And so as we continue, Paul holds up the world's teachings of his day in the light of Jesus, exposing the world's philosophies as being false. Verse 9 and 10, For in Christ all the fullness of the deity lives in bodily form, and in Christ you have been brought to fullness. He is the head over every power and authority. Paul here exposes something called Gnosticism, which tried to diminish Jesus by saying that he was a spirit, some sort of spirit who just visited earth. But Paul declares Christ as full deity in bodily form, fully God and fully man, the visible expression of God. Jesus is the supreme authority who is over every power. Paul declares that they've been filled with him, sharing in Christ's power and in his authority over every rule and authority because of their union with him. Secondly, Paul declares that Jesus is king over legalism. Verses 11 and 12, In him you were also circumcised with a circumcision not performed by human hands. Your whole self, ruled by the flesh, was put off when you were circumcised by Christ, having been buried with him in baptism, in which you were also raised with him through your faith in the working of God who raised him from the dead. 
Paul shares that in Christ, the Colossians are no longer bound or ruled by the law or by the flesh. But through receiving Christ and his salvation, the law no longer has hold over them. Circumcision, it was a Jewish custom, and it was seen as a way to please God through works. But Paul is saying that through receiving all that Jesus has done, his salvation, God has circumcised their flesh, which unites them with Christ and the power to live for him. You see, our relationship with God is through Christ, by grace, not works. And Paul goes on to use the imagery of baptism to represent the identification with Christ's death and resurrection, dead to the power of sin and empowered to live fully for Jesus. We read on in verse 13 to 15. When you were dead in your sins and in the uncircumcision of your flesh, God made you alive with Christ. He forgave us all our sins, having cancelled the charge of our legal indebtedness, which stood against us and condemned us. He has taken it away, nailing it to the cross. And having disarmed the powers and authorities, he made a public spectacle of them, triumphing over them by the cross. Indebtedness, Paul uses to illustrate a person's debt to God because of sin. And in the Greco-Roman world, debt was recorded on a note, on a, on a note of indebtedness. And Paul is saying that this debt to God, Jesus has taken and he's nailed it to the cross. And through the cross, Jesus has disarmed the powers of darkness and he has triumphed over them. Amen. Christ and his power bring victory over darkness. And we read on verse 16 and 17. Therefore, do not let anyone judge you by what you eat, by what you drink, or with regard to a religious festival, a new moon celebration, or a Sabbath day. These are a shadow of the things that were to come. The reality, however, is found in Christ. Paul is saying that in light of all that Christ has done, don't be deceived. Don't be deceived. He speaks again into this, this area of legalism. While the deceivers were telling the Colossian Christians that they must follow specific rituals and rules and regulations in order to be saved, Paul calls these things a shadow of the things that were to come. You see, these are not requirements to be saved. They're not requirements to be saved. There is nothing that we can do by way of works that can make us right with God. It is by his grace. And we read in Ephesians 2 that we are saved by grace, not by works. We can't earn it no matter what we do. And thirdly, Jesus is king over mystical teaching and ascetism. Verses 18 and 19. Do not let anyone who delights in false humility and the worship of angels disqualify you. Such a person also goes into great detail about what they've seen. They're puffed up with idle notions by their unspiritual mind. They've lost connection with the head from whom the whole body supported and held together by its ligaments and sinews grows 
as God causes it to grow. Paul encouraged the Colossian Christians to not fall for the false teachings of those who held to mysticism in contrast with God's truth. Mysticism comes in a number of ways. For example, presenting to be holier than now or trying to manufacture something spiritual in a moment or attempting to replicate what God does. And he also speaks here into ascetism and excessive self-denial, things that may appear noble but aren't actually required or asked by God and also the worship of angels. So Paul is saying here that this super-spiritual, self-righteous, prideful attitude just reveals the significant disconnect with the head, which is Jesus. And Paul explicitly states that excessive rules, excessive rituals, and self-denial are not the path of spiritual growth. Attempting to grow in your spiritual life through these efforts is just as impossible as a body part developing naturally while severed from the head. It just doesn't work. We read on, verses 20 to 23. Since you died with Christ to the elemental spiritual forces of this world, why, as though you still belong to the world, do you submit to its rules? Do not handle, do not taste, do not touch. These rules which have to do with things that are all destined to perish with use are based on merely human commands and teachings. Such regulations indeed have an appearance of wisdom with their self-imposed worship, their false humility and their harsh treatment of the body, but they lack any value in restraining sensual indulgence. Paul shares a really direct question here. Because of all that Christ has done for you, why do you still act like you belong to the world in some areas? And what I think Paul is actually asking here is, why are you living in two camps? Why are you living in two camps? Why are you still holding on to the law when you've been set free from the power to have to? How can you follow Jesus whilst still following the ways or certain ways of the world. He talks about these teachings which were based on human assumption, not God, not God. Things that appear to be true, but are false. So let me ask you again today. Is Jesus the king of all kings in your life? Is he an option within a plethora of choices? You know, if we've discovered anything from the writings of Paul, it's that we live in a world where there are influences coming right at us. And many of these try to knock Jesus off the throne and take that central place in our lives. Influences that are around us, which many of which seem harmless and seem quite appealing, but are marketed to us as enough or all that we need, but are often nothing more than lies wrapped in a bow. But can I say today that Jesus is enough? He is more than enough. The King of kings and the Lord of lords, supreme, mighty, powerful, 
In him, you and I have forgiveness. In him, you and I are complete. Let me ask you again. Is Jesus the king of all kings in your life? And if no, what are you holding on to that maybe you need to let go of today and surrender to him? You see, we can't earn salvation, not by enhancing other measures or taking on other philosophies or teachings and trying to win brownie points with God by being super spiritual, but simply by receiving the grace of God. His grace is more than enough. God has removed our sins from us. Yet even though we mess up, even though we make mistakes, we have access to God himself and his forgiveness. And in Christ, we have the power to no longer, no longer be ruled by sin. We have the power to say no to the flesh, but we also have the power to say yes to Jesus and yes to everything that he has for us. Psalm 103 verse 12. How far has the Lord taken our sins from us? Further than the distance from east to west. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word to us today. And we confess that we have had moments of trying to add other things into our lives, into our belief systems that we've tried and strived and worked hard to try and win favour with you. And Lord, for this we're sorry. We're sorry for taking our eyes off of you. We're sorry for allowing other things into that central place in our lives. And we ask for your forgiveness today and we thank you for your grace. Lord, we thank you that the finished work of Christ is our inheritance. And we claim that and declare that today. That you've taken our sin as far as the east is from the west. Thank you that we can declare Jesus as king of all kings in our lives. And Lord, if, if we are recognizing today that there are other things in that central place. We just invite you back in, back into our hearts. Lord, we thank you that it's on Christ, the solid rock that we stand, and we recognize that all other ground is sinking sand. And so we ask for your strength and your help as we seek to build a life that is founded securely on you. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for listening and we hope that you enjoyed this podcast. If this message has impacted you in some way, we would love to hear from you. You can contact us through the hub online at thehub.org.
www.rbc.org.au or through our social media links in the show notes. See you next time.